Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Columbia, Missouri. We are joined by Swim Swim Associate Editor Tori Hart in sunny downtown Oakland, California, and Swim Swim Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We've got all three coasts. We've got east, mid, and west. Coleman, you might be the only person in Columbia, Missouri, cool enough to pull off the George Michael earring. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, can feel, we get a little? Can we get a little shot of that? Feel, nice. Yeah, we got, we got, we got the George Michael point. I feel it doesn't feel totally natural wearing it in Columbia, Missouri. I don't know if that's really Columbia's vibe, but uh, you know, they call my... it the Austin of the Midwest. I hear <laughs> they do not. Uh, <laughs> but let's get into some swimming news, y'all. Uh, we had ISL playoffs resumed this week: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We saw. We saw a lot of people in action. We saw a lot of people not in action. Let's start with match one. Callie nabs the win without Caleb Dressel. Um, what did we see in match one that 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 we liked, that we didn't like, that surprised you, Braden? Well, well, Callie won without Caleb Dressel, but they beat Energy Standard without uh, Chad Leclerc. So that's that's in the ISL. Caleb is a, is a higher point scorer than Chad, but it is a little bit of a canceling out you know it it felt match one very much felt like the top two teams know they're moving forward um there there wasn't ever really any risk they probably could have been missing two or three more swimmers and and still would have been fine um you know you have to worry about energy standards short short roster a little bit having 12 and 12 doing that four weeks in a row is going to be um I think it become a, a challenge for them, especially when it gets down to the final where the meet is a little more competitive. So they've got some, some injuries and some illness they've got to work through. Um, but, you know, I think it just, it's just reestablished what we thought. Cali's the best team in the league. Um, it looks like they're going to win the title. If they are this good without Caleb Dressel, when Caleb comes back, if, you know, we assume Caleb's coming back, he's sort of hinted that he's coming back. Um, they're, they're just going to be unbeatable. So I think that's what we learned most from match number one. Yeah, not much to add on that other than just the story of these playoffs is definitely who's not there, unfortunately. And I think we're just going to keep looking at these matches and saying, you know, oh, this person cancels out, this person not being there and, and yada, yada, yada. And um, it's unfortunate that it's that it's shaken out that way in terms of the rosters. But but like you said, um, you know, doing it without Caleb is, is something to be proud of. And uh like you said, also just a matter of those top two teams, a little preview of what's to come, something to get excited about. Um, it's just a matter of who we're actually seeing down the line for those teams. Tori, do you think do you think we'd care as much about the Caleb Dressels and the Chad Leclos being gone if the meets were competitive? Because we still like this format better than a traditional swing meet format. I think most most swim people agree that they like this format. So would it be better if the meets were competitive? I think people want to see the stars no matter what. I mean, Caleb is the most famous swimmer in the world. And I think even if these matches were super close, like the casual swim fan is still saying, where's Caleb Dressel? I want to see Caleb Dressel, sadly. So I don't know if the competitiveness has as much of a impact as we'd like it to. I'm curious as to whether, again, not that it makes a huge difference. Do you think energy not having Chad and Florent is a bigger detriment? Or do you think Callie not having Caleb is a bigger detriment to those respective teams. I don't know. Florent wasn't that good at the few regular season meets he swam. So 
Um, I think probably Caleb is still the bigger impact. Although again, for energy standard, it's, it's replacing Florent with essentially nobody. It's replacing Chad with essentially nobody because they have not just sort of figuratively nobody, they have literally nobody left to replace them. And, and again, they're hoping that some of the injury and illness problems will work themselves out. Um, it sounds like a lot of swimmers coming back from Euros got got some diseases and nobody's ready to declare any of it COVID, but they're at least not in a, a great state to race. So at least those things I would expect to work themselves out by December. The injuries are a little more questionable. So then moving on to match number two of the playoffs, <laughs> LA really, really stepped it up. They got Ryan Murphy back. He looked stellar. Uh, and then they got some big skins points um, to leapfrog London at the very end of the match. What did you like when you, from, from seeing LA Tori, you're a, you're a California girl. What do you think of LA? <laughs> I mean, LA got it done exactly how they needed to get done in those, in those last two scans. I mean, the last one, you know, Tom needed to make the final round and he did it. Didn't matter that he, that he didn't win. He just needed to get his hand in there. And uh, you know, it was methodical. It wasn't, you know, super flashy anywhere throughout the meet, but they just racked up points as they needed to. And they would have faced, you know, we wrote about this after faced a real uphill battle in, in making it to the final had they not come away with this big win. So super key for them. And um, yeah, just kept their heads down and, and got those points exactly where they needed to. I think, I think Murphy was better than I expected it to, him to be because, you know, watching his social media, he's been kind of here, there and everywhere. So it wasn't, entirely clear from the outside looking in where his training was going to be, but the way he back halved, what was it? The, the hundred on Saturday or the 200, whichever race it was when he had the big back half to overtake Christian Diener was a great swim. And that sort of showed, showed me that he's in better shape than I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, Shields got the job done. I think if they really want to scare anybody, he needs to be a little better. Still, we were talking about this on Sunday the, the besides LA getting the win, which is, you know, sort of the story and the story we want to matter. I think there was a moment on Sunday where it felt like the ISL might be collapsing, like in front of our eyes when, when those swimmers were going, you know, losing races by 15 or 16 seconds. And it happened three races in a row. Um, when the, the feed went down at the same time as that happened, like to me, that was sort of an existential terrifying moment watching the ISL and like, is this the end? Are they going to finish this season? Um, and, and, you know, everything kind of came back together, but that's, that's another thing they're going to have to solve. And I hope they don't make more complicated rules to solve it because it's definitely a problem having, having swimmers go 126 in the hundred breaststroke or so on and so forth. Like that's not good for the league long-term. Um, but I just hope they don't come up with a very complicated rule to fix it. So, yeah, there was this moment on Sunday where we noticed, you know, there's a couple of Toronto swimmers out there finishing 15 seconds plus back from the winner of the race. Clearly, at least I would assume not putting in max effort. Um, and what we realize is that there's an obvious loophole to exploit, which is that if you leave an empty lane because you're shorthanded, as many of these teams are, you automatically lose four points. But if you just send a body out there, let them do a cool down swim, a legal cool down swim, uh, you only lose one point for missing a time cutoff. So that was kind of fun. So obviously, yeah, that's a loophole that the ISL will need to fix. Do, do you guys like seeing this rule or this rule exploited? I mean, do you think it's like, oh, yeah, like teams should do this if they're shorthanded? 
This is, I mean, this is sports now, right? Like Tori, you've worked in enough other sports. This is the baseball argument, um, how, how Moneyball ruined baseball. And the Moneyball guys are basically saying Moneyball has always been there. The opportunity has always been there. It just took until 1990, whatever, to exploit the rules. So like, this is the inevitability of sports. If there's a way to exploit the rules, it will happen. So the only way to fix that in, in um, what's his face, the Moneyball guy is now on the committee to fix the rules to keep Moneyball from happening. And so like, this is, this is the cat and mouse game. You got to make a rule, see what happens, change the rule, unintended consequences, change the rule again. This is kind of how sports evolve until they, you know, this is a young league and eventually the rules will have to stabilize a little bit. You know, we can't completely rethink the, the draft format every year. We can't sort of make the dramatic changes, but hopefully it starts to stabilize in the near future. Theo Epstein. It's that's different than Moneyball though, in that it's such an obvious rule to exploit. Like, you know, Moneyball is sort of a years long kind of backdoor way of like exploiting the rules, I guess you might say, but this is just like an obvious rule there for the taking. Um, it's a little bit different situation there, but I would hate I just to like see bringing another... up the Oakland Athletics because I know it's going to trigger me. <laughs> Brandon, you missed last week. I had my A's flag and everything. We were like oh, right oh. there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can't do another rule. I'll, I'll admit this was one of the first weekends where I was really on for coverage and like actually had to really understand what was going on. And I was panicking. I messaged Braden. I was like, I've read the rules a hundred times. I do not understand how the playoffs work. And I had to take a step back and be like, okay, if I just stop reading the language they've used and all of the different ways it's been said and just zoom out, I can figure it out. But I just, I cannot deal with another rule. <laughs> or he is not a rules follower. I, I, ISL I am such a rule follower, but they need to be more straightforward. <laughs> ISL is pretty rules heavy. So let's move on from ISL. Uh, had a podcast with Olivia Smoliga. You can go check that out on YouTube, Podbean, any podcast platform, Swim Swam, you take your pick. Um, and she talks about moving training locations to Arizona State with Bob Bowman and Rachel Stratton Mills. Uh, do we feel like this is a good move? What do, you, what do you see for her immediate future, especially leading up to the world championships this spring? I, I, it's a little surprising to me. Um, you know, her and Ryan Held are now there. And that's, it's just not really what Bowman is known for. And, you know, he's had some, I guess, I don't know. I always view Allison Schmidt as a 100, 200 freestyler, more of a mid distance freestyler, not a, a sprinter with the kind of twitch that Smoliga and Held have. Um, so I, you know, it's, I'd, I'd love to hear the thought process specifically on why Bowman, given what his history is, he, you know, he's had some good, good success with college aged male sprinters. Um, I guess. So maybe that that's the appeal. I was a little surprised to hear that she wasn't doing any training with Herbie Bame. Um, I, you know, it, she hasn't been great so far. It's still early. She's still got time to work it around. Um, I, I, I completely understand the move. I completely understand making a move, being ready for something new after eight years at Georgia not being happy with how our Olympic trials turned out, um, not not even going her season best time in the 100 back, um, which would have made the team pretty easily. So I, I get the reasons for making the move. Um, you know, I would have thought 
NC State. I would have thought in somewhere like NC State would have been a good fit. Although these days there's not a ton of pro groups around. So it's um it's sort of a, you know, not everybody can go to NC State. I know that's the popular, the popular spot right now. And we kind of want everybody to go to NC State, but um that that group makes sense to me for her right now. Um so my initial thought is maybe she is thinking that she needs to pivot a little bit more mid-distance to kind of get herself back on some of those major international teams, just with the backstroke events and the sprint for you being so crowded. Maybe she's eyeing more of the, the 100, 200 lifestyle, but um, yeah, interesting move as well. Don't see an obvious uh, fit there, but I know Coleman, you have a little bit more insight into her career and, and some back and well, forth with her. I think you can, you can hear it in all of our voices. You know, we like Olivia a lot. She's a great interview. She's fun to talk to and to listen to talk to, but we're all kind of, you know, in, in you have to trust the athletes to make the best decisions for their, themselves. But from the outside looking in, this doesn't feel like the choice I would have made. Definitely. And uh, yeah, so it is, um, so she's training with Bob primarily, but, uh, Rachel Stratton mills associate head coach basically runs the women's team, um, 200 and down Olivia is doing power with her once a week. So she's getting some sprints training in there. Um, and then she also, she's also swimming with the women and the men. So she kind of gets how much gets the, whole how much experience. power, how many times a week is Abby white still doing power? It's a great question. Got to be more than once, right? Like I got to, I've got to think the top 50, 100 freestylers in the world are doing power more than once a week. So the, I guess the other thing is she's only been there for, th- I think she moved there, was there for three weeks and then went straight to Eindhoven. Um, and so ASU had meets in that time period. So normally she would do power with Rachel twice a week. Um, but she like Fridays, I think have just been kind of weird um, for the past few weeks. So I think she would do power twice a week or like more, you know, classic sprint training twice. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's worth noting that, you know, her former Georgia teammate Haley made the move there and with, with a reasoning of like, Oh, it's an easy transition from Jack to Bob kind of a similar training environment. Um, so I think that's one reason why it's like, Oh, okay. Phoenix is a pretty cool place. I know Ryan, held i'm almost certain his his now fiance got a job with the diamondbacks the the team the the baseball team that's in phoenix oh coleman that's embarrassing um is that correct yes that's correct hey all right (laughs) um i you know i think maybe there's a subplot here in that you know when you think back to bowman and phelps and bowman and schmidt Bob has historically really liked control over his team and when and where they compete and a lot of focus on long course. Um, This also feels like maybe a strange move. If, if you're going all in on ISL, you know, there's some of these athletes, I think like a Tom Shields who have decided that ISL is their future. If they make an international team, that's great, but the ISL is their future. But to me, if you're going to Bowman, you're declaring that I am not resigned for the ISL to be the rest of my career. I want to make the Olympic team in 2024 because, you know, Allison Schmidt hasn't done a lot of ISL. It's just historically, that's how Bob has been. He likes his swimmers at home. He likes them at the meets that he's at. 
And if he's not going to ISL, it's not clear that they're going to be going. Ryan Held's not doing ISL right now. So um, that's that's sort of maybe a, a reading between the lines of where her goals might lie in the future. So moving on from Smaliga, we Tori put out a really great article about who is getting NIL deals um, and in the early stages of this wild West NCAA layout. Um, Tori, could you, would you mind summarizing some of these findings? So a company called open doors, which is a platform that basically creates profiles for student athletes to be, I guess, discovered by, by brands essentially um, put out some early data on the deals that have been done uh, July 1st through September um, in terms of NCAA athletes who they're partnering with and put out really interesting data about um, what athletes are getting deals, what sports, what conferences, um, for how much and what types of deals. So um, some key takeaways were, were kind of what we would expect. Generally, it's the, the athletes in those high revenue generating sports like football, like men's basketball getting deals. 35% of all of the deals so far have gone to football players and 55% of the total compensation. Um, Swimmers were up there. So women were top five in compensation, but it was still just 4% of, of the total compensation out there for NIL deals through Open Doors right now. Um, of those deals, uh, the average deal for a D1 athlete was around $400, $391, I think. Um, and then 90% of the deals being done are just for posting, or about 90%, just for posting social media content. So kind of the easiest of the easy in terms of where NIL deals go. Um, but I think what was really interesting is that uh, that only was about, I think, 42% of the compensation. So, you know, high quantity of these deals, but that's not necessarily where the bulk of the money's at. Um, the highest, uh, you know, compensation station generating option was licensing deals, which are likely going to go to the top athletes anyway. So makes a lot of sense there. Um, but yeah, some really interesting stuff. I'd recommend if you're interested in this stuff, you go take a look. Um, if you're, you know, looking to get a deal and you're not D1, options are a little bit slimmer, compensation a little bit slimmer. There's a pretty steep drop off. I think it was around $80 average per deal um, for D2 and then closer to 40 for D3. So really interesting stuff coming into there. It's early days. I think people will continue to kind of innovate in the space. But yeah, I mean, if you're already posting on social media, it sounds like there's some pretty easy money out there for the taking. So, And we have to acknowledge that um, this is data through open doors. And we have to assume that Reagan Smith's Speedo deal, for example, was not done through open doors. So um, I think I think if you included all of that, the numbers could change. I'm sure there are some big football deals that were not done through there. I think there's three takeaways from this. I got three. Are you all, you all ready to listen to all three? Okay. One, uh, open doors is based in Lincoln, Nebraska. So I think we need to acknowledge that. But I think this shows people that women's volleyball is a bigger deal than they thought. Um, you know, the television ratings aren't great, although now you can watch most top 25 volleyball matches on cable. But I think local endorsements for women's volleyball players, especially in places like Lincoln, Nebraska, could be huge. You know, they they sell out their season tickets almost immediately upon going on sale. It's it's like it's like football or basketball. It's crazy. Um, two, I think the data shows that in swimming there is money to be made, but that there are going to be a few very large deals for the Reagan Smiths and the Tory Husks, sort of the Olympians, um, and then a pretty steep decline after that because 
it seems to me as though the the you have a few swimmers with big enough audiences to move the needle and then after that frankly places like swim swam are probably a better value and number three i think all of this will continue to evolve because what we're going to find out is that yes being on national television matters for a football player or a basketball player's star power. However, a lot of college athletes are very fit, very creative, can figure out ways to do Instagram and get a lot of followers in the way that a very fit, very creative non-athlete would do. And so their presence as a student athlete could be almost incidental to the amount of money they make. Um, and I, I said this before, and I'll say it again, I am going to be fascinated to see how this changes recruiting. If, if, you know, going to Stanford and being on a team, Virginia won the NCAA title, but Stanford stars right now are bigger than Virginia stars. And does that, can, you know, if you're Greg Meehan and knowing Greg, I don't know if he'd go this route, but can you sell, oh, you get to be on Reagan's Instagram three times a week. Um, that will build your following. You'll be able to sell more NIL deals. Will that influence recruiting? I think it inevitably has to, especially as the dollars go up and they start to sort of look more like the amount of dollars that you're getting for scholarships. So negotiations will not just be about scholarships now. It'll be about what you can make being in the presence of our program. And also before this uh, legislation was actually official, we were already seeing on the institutional side, schools like Texas, schools like Nebraska advertising their programs that would help you build a social media following. So that's definitely been in the works a little. I think now that, you know, we're just seeing kind of the more concrete, um, you know, result of what's going on there. But absolutely, I think being in the presence of, you know, a popular athlete on your team is kind of the, the unspoken part there. Well, and, the, and on the flip side, the reality is that Virginia is good at social media as a team. So they, they don't have the same star power necessarily, but they are better than Stanford at social media. So maybe that's the trade-off, but you know, if Stanford, if Stanford hired Tyler Fenwick and went all out on social media, that would be a juggernaut for their athletes. Moving on to USA swimming. It was announced that Russell Mark will be leaving the organization. Russell Mark is the science guy extraordinaire. You can see him at every major meet, um, talking technique and analyzing videos and data with the entire national team. Um, he, it seems like he's been a really big part of what they do and their high performance since he's been there. Um, and especially since he's held the title of high performance manager in 2010. Um, how do we see this affecting team USA moving forward, especially with this shortened quad, uh, in 2024 Olympics on the horizon? Well, I think first of all, I think Tim Hinchy, whether intentionally or not made his job harder because, you know, his job, he's got a dual role. He has to worry about the hundreds of thousands of age group swimmers, and he's got to worry about the high performance, um, you know, top 1% and they're two very different things. And the bottom 99%, well, and the top 1% for that matter, really like Russell Mark, uh, just as a person, he is a very well-liked guy. Um, and so without much explanation as what went down here, Tim Hinchy has not made himself many friends. 
um, which sometimes is the role of CEO. Um, I wish we could get a little more transparency on what went down. Um, for now, it is what it is, and the rumor mill will, will swirl about why that happened, and uh, Tim and his staff will have to sort of deal with the fallout for that. They say they're expanding their national team department. Um, it, you know, and another thing I'd love to hear from Tim is, is any of this related to Olympic performance? And I don't think anybody in Colorado Springs would ever acknowledge that team 2021 team USA was not the best team USA we've had. Um, you know, they still led the medal table and all that's great. And I know they had the challenges of the pandemic. And I presume that if asked a direct question, Coleman, maybe you'll get the chance one day, the response would be pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. Um, it is what it is. But I would love to know if they, you know, this expand either the the departure of Russell or the expansion of the national team high performance unit, which they say is coming. If either of those things um, is directly or indirectly related to Tokyo results, does this strike either of you as does me as a job that is going to be difficult to rehire for? Like, I just feel like it's such a specific subset of skills to find someone who has the swimming knowledge, the science knowledge. I know nothing about the details of that, but it seems like they had a very, very unique set of skills in, in Russell. And I'm you know, curious how they intend to rehire there. I think it's going to be expensive to fill because I think people like Russell Mark, if you're, if you're competing for the Russell Marks in a free market, you either find the guy who just loves swimming that much or you got to pay for it. Um, and, and USA Swimming has cut salaries in a lot of different areas. So maybe they have the budget to pay for it. Um, but I think that's a great point, Tori, that I, you know, I spent a few minutes trying to think of like who would be a good fit for this role. And I could think of some people who would be a good fit, but none of them have sort of the science and math creds that Russell has. Um, I think he's like an aerospace engineer or something. Yeah, Russell something. was literally a rocket scientist. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know where I'd love to see Russell land. I, I was talking the with moon. One, Oh, good one. Coleman. Um, I, I was talking with one of the ISL coaches about this yesterday. I would love to see the ISL hire Russell Mark because he's well-liked and right now they, they need some goodwill. Um, He's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. And not that the ISL people aren't smart, but they need somebody who operates the way that Russell operates, where they just walk into a room, they can identify the clear problems and help solve them. Even if they're not sort of aerospace engineering, technical data problems, but just some of these, you know, we can all see some low hanging fruit on the tree. And I think Russell Mark could be very good at, at, helping them solve some of those problems. And then I think if you, if you tell athletes that by coming to these ISL five or six week bubbles, you will have somebody like Russell Mark there working with all of the athletes. Um, and I know they don't want to be seen as a training camp, but if you're having trouble getting athletes to come because they want to stay home and train or this, that, or the other, if you give them sort of a true elite environment with that kind of, um, sports science stuff going on, that could be an incentive, especially from, from countries, not like the United States that might not have that technical knowledge at home. That could be a big incentive for them to show up and 
get their data from Russell Mark, from the Russell Mark. Everybody, you know, it's, it, everybody likes Russell. Everybody knows Russell. Russell's a known entity. If they think that now they have to start remarketing this league to the athletes, if they think that honeymoon period has worn off and they need to find out how to reattract the athletes, that would be a good way to do it. Going, I, I agree with you. I mean, that I feel like Russell would be a great pickup for anyone. Um, but going back to USA Swimming, it seems like I don't think there is a direct replacement. To answer Tori's question, I, yeah, I was very surprised, especially with the timing. Again, because you have this shortened Olympic cycle, you only have two and a half years till Paris. Um, and so I feel like what will happen is the same thing that happened with national team director. You know, they split it between Mike Unger and Lindsey Mintenko once the last person left. And so I feel like they'll just end up having this is all of Russell's current things that he does and they'll have to just split it up and delegate it between like a myriad of people who can kind of cover everything he did because i don't know how else you could really replace all the stuff that he did honestly they'll probably pull from outside of swimming and we've we see this in other countries where they bring in you know, i think there's a sort of at the at a certain level you assume high performance is high performance and swimming God, how do I say this without, I don't care. The coaches all hate me anyway. Swimming is technically not as complex as basketball or football or soccer. You know, it's the mechanics are not as complex. The metrics are not necessarily as complex. So if you get somebody who really understands data and who really understands biomechanics, I think that teaching them the swimming isn't hard. Um, but again, it's a, as you keep saying, it's a short timeline. It's, um, you know, you would have loved to have seen that person come in with to work with a Russell Mark um, and, and to learn swimming. Who's going to teach that person on the short timeline with World's Worlds Olympics? There's kind of not a lot of time to come up for air. So um, my, that would be my guess as to how they'll, they'll fill the position. I guess only time will tell. I, yeah, this is one saga that I'll definitely be interested to follow. But now it is time for our favorite game on the Swim Swim Breakdown. Sink or swim. First up on Sink or Swim today, we saw Dean the Dream Ferris back in action. for Are we his, calling him that now? Oh, the commenters do. <laughs> Uh, back in action for his first official NCAA swim since 2019 NCAAs. Uh, he won the 100 fly and he got second in the 50 free. Do we see Dean winning an NCAA title this year in any event? I mean, he swam off events this weekend, so it's hard to tell just from his times, you know, what kind of shape he's in, what he's been up to for the past uh, few months. But just looking at who's moved on from the last time he was swimming at NCAAs. There's a lot of, uh, you know, room for him to, to make some waves. So I'm going to swim that he'll win another title. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm going to swim Dean Ferris because why not? How many years of eligibility does Dean Ferris have left? I, 
he might have one left after might, this we, year. We might need really? Russell Mark to calculate his, <laughs> his NCAA timeline. Well, um, you know, I think I think the 200 free is susceptible. It, it's going to be come down to event choice um, for him between the 200 free and the 100 back. You don't think so? I don't Nobody think he'll, I don't think he'll last year. He, he won't swim the 200 free. I don't think there's any way he swims that individually. But the, uh, but if you had to choose, I guess with Shane Costas gone, the hundred back is a little bit of an easier route. But I think Dustin Lasco is going to be a monster this year. Um, I think, you know, even with it feels weird to say with um, Kieran Smith and the two hundred free, but, but you I know, mean, I don't know what was Dean forty three six. Like, we think you think Dustin's going to be forty three six. I think he could be. Um, I you know. Whatever. Kieran Smith is going to be focused on trials, on on world's trials, I think. I don't think Kieran Smith will go 129 in NCAAs. I, I guess I'll swim it. Um, I'll swim it. Fine. Dean will win another NCAA title. Probably. I'll swim. I, I don't I don't know. I didn't feel great about that coming into this season. <laughs> He's been okay so far, but we haven't seen a primary event. Ask me again after after invites. Yeah, but so uh, I will be. I'm flying to Boston tomorrow. Boston. We're doing we're we're doing a Dean practice on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. That will be coming out. I will also be at the Minnesota Invite, where Harvard will be as well. So have we'll you get done to a see. Dean practice? I've never done a Dean oh. practice. I, I want to see you start going oh. back to places you've been to and like <laughs> do the same workout again and compare the time. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. I want to I want to do three three hundreds and then twenty fifties pace with Katie Ledecky again. Oh, <laughs> and, and true the, sweets are right next to her. Yes, that could that could conceivably happen. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to put in a request from Nessie. But so we're we're going to get a lot of Dean action on video. We we get to do race videos in Minnesota, the Minnesota invite. So we'll we can do another video. analysis after that. All right. Moving on, <laughs> Jim Rome had some complaints about CBS uh, do, putting airing ISL instead of his show. Jim Rome is a, is a sports talk show host. He interviewed Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green. He was very excited about that. Um, I guess one of his fans, <laughs> or as a, our commenter said, one of his fan uh, <laughs> was was upset. And he read a tweet um, ranting about how they put swimming instead of his show was so, so sink or swim was ISL an upgrade from Jim Rome on CBS. Go ahead, Tori. You take the con. Oh, I'm swimming it. I mean, I'm very much in this world and I barely know who Jim Rome is. Sorry, but I mean, the ISL has its flaws, but I'll take, you know, a, a stab at innovation over listening to another talking head i cannot i am i know i'm a little older than you tori and i'm a little older than a lot of our readers but it's been shocking to me to learn how few people are aware of jim rome and the star the star power he once had and to some extent still has he's probably like the highest paid talking head in sports history he's probably made more money than any talking head in sports history um (laughs) And that's been a revelation to me. I ISL was probably an upgrade. I wish ISL was more of an upgrade over Jim Rome, but like, I think maybe this speaks a little bit to Jim Rome's audience is kind of an everyman audience. It's, 
you know, Jim Rome is probably airing in a lot of, um, you know, garages around the country. I, I don't know if he's in a lot of minivans on the way to swim practice, but I think he's, he's, I think he is still very popular. Um, and I think people are getting mad and that's to me missing the point. I think the point is that the international swimming league got a shout out on one of the most popular radio shows in the country. And to me, that's like, it's, you got to understand Jim Rome. This is just how his show is. And it, he's playing a role. He's playing a character. He got in a fight with a, with an NFL quarterback on national television. You can go look that up on YouTube. The guy pushed him over and straddled him and was going to punch him in the face. I mean, it was, it was the, probably the most watched sports talk show ever. Um, but I think that, I think this is all good for, for ISL. I don't think people should be mad at Jim Rome about this. This is a great thing. Yeah. I think just the way you describe him, I think for, for me, like that type of person is more of like a Bill Simmons or like a, like a podcaster type. And if Bill mentioned swimming on his pod, I would be ecstatic no yeah. matter the context. So Jim Rome's a troll. It's what he's do, but troll trolls work uh, in this format in the radio podcast format. People hate it. People hate it when they stop to think about it, but trolls work. Oh, 100%. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming it for that reason as well. It's like C- CBS decided to put swimming, uh, you know, ahead of this guy. It's like, I, I, I swim that all day. Just, just because it's like, all right, swimming's actually doing something, you know, it's, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm about it next up on our list with, uh, with Blake Peroni being out for the ISL season for Toronto with a knee injury. Um, Toronto got third place after, you know, after taking advantage of this, um, penalty loophole that we saw, um, do we think this is it for Toronto making the final? Do we think that, that, that they're done their, their season's done for after the three playoff matches? I, I am swimming that this is it. They had a more favorable schedule because LA and London have to race every meet and that could still be important. Um, but I think Toronto's just got too many problems. They're not deep enough. They, they still have a chance if Cole Pratt comes back and swims well. I think they still have a chance. But Toronto was a team that had a great regular season but they didn't bring in all of these new studs like the other teams did. So they, you know, they don't have that sort of emotional momentum from getting a Ryan Murphy back. Um, And, and they needed to be on, I think, I think in the regular season, they had a little more margin, but in the playoffs, I think they needed to be full strength, have everybody there and everybody swimming well. And the, what those sort of intentional negative points highlighted is that they're just not deep enough. um, You know, the, the teams are still imbalanced. It's still a problem. And I think we've got our four, you know, it, it could still happen. They could still make the playoff because of that favorable schedule. Um, but I think they're in trouble. I have to agree. In the same way that this match over the weekend was kind of a, a must win, but not technically for LA, but in terms of like emotion, in terms of momentum, I think, you know, Toronto similarly needed to, to throw down and show, show some life and, we didn't really see anything that would lead me to believe that uh, down the line, they're going to continue to be a major player. They had those holes where they were literally swimming nobody because they were, you know, down that badly in terms of uh, their roster. And I don't think that's going to be enough to carry them through. The good news is that Aqua is 
back to being the aqua we're used to without Sabo and Kalish and with Castiglione only for one race and some other swimmers missing. So maybe some of those swimmers will come back and they'll get better again, but aqua might not actually be the sixth best team. They might be the eighth best team in the playoffs. So Toronto can count on at least third place points going forward, which I don't know. So, you know, they can, they could catch fire and get a first or a second and be right back in the conversation, I suppose. I I'm swimming that they will uh, indeed be done after the playoffs as well. I don't think they're going to make the final as Braden said, they, they didn't bring in anyone huge. And I think during the regular season, all their cylinders were firing. Um, and so it, they, they did not look in great form in this first playoff match. And with only three matches to decide if you get to the final, it's like, yeah, this was, I think this was a, they needed to be good and they weren't moving on. <laughs> Swim Swam published its 100,000th article this past week. A lot of articles uh, in its nine year life, nine and a half year life since March of 2012. Um, one of the, it, it was mentioned that uh, Braden did not have that great of a haircut when Swim Swam started. That's why we went with a picture of Mel for the uh, picture of that article. One of the commenters said, we'll asked if Braden will show that picture of his awful haircut for the 200,000th article of swim swim. So sink or swim. Are we going to see that picture with Braden's haircut for our 200,000th article in another nine years? Look, we got to talk about 2012. Okay. <laughs> I was doing this by myself. I was doing all of the content. Tori wasn't here. Tori, we love you. You weren't around in 2012. You were probably like 10 years old. Coleman, you were you were probably in your high school gym class trying to figure out the difference between a basketball and a football, because as we've learned, <laughs> you don't do sports. Um, 2012 was rough. I was working a lot. I was spending, I, I ate every meal in front of my computer. I didn't time to think about things like my haircut. All I had time to do was run as fast as I could. And by run, I mean, write um, and try to survive and try to not destroy every relationship in my personal life. So that picture has been destroyed. It will never come to light. Sorry. That's a sink for Braden. That's <laughs> Sorry. If that wasn't clear, that's a sink. Uh, all right. I'm swimming it. I think it'll surface somehow. I bet, on, I bet. We want to hear your opinion. Is it, is it going to appear if, or not? For the 200,000th, we all share what we looked like in 2012. I don't know <laughs> if that would like make you feel better, but. and also How old were you in 2012? 15. <sighs> right. If, yeah. you, if you share like an awkward middle school picture, I would take that deal. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, probably not. I'm there. I take if it I, back. you know, I won't make. Let's just say I think it would be a win. We're gonna make it to 200,000 articles. That's the silver lining here. And in the so. next, yeah, I hope somebody hope buys so. swim swam and fires me before then. <laughs> All right, I'm swimming it. I think I think it'll happen. I think it'll surface. I'm gonna talk to Mel behind the scenes, and uh, we're gonna work something out. Coleman's the king of bad haircuts. <laughs> so many. I've had so many. All right. And last but not least, we're finishing with Adam Petey again. He got booted from Strictly Come Dancing. He is, his dancing days are over. 
but we did publish an article about how much you make. We think Adam Petey roughly made 40,000, 40,000 euros uh, from Strictly Come. Pounds. What? Pounds. Pounds. Sorry. 40,000 pounds. I don't do finance. I don't do sports. I don't do anything. <laughs> Adam Petey made 40,000 pounds about from Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, last year from ISL, he made around $90,000 between 90 and 100K. Do we think... Was was this financially a good move for Adam Petey to go on Strictly Come Dancing, sink or swim? Swim. I mean, the the book is the money. No, nobody goes on these celebrity shows. In in America, these are very B, C, and D list celebrities who are either looking for a way to stay relevant, looking for some attention for some project. Um, it's the the I think the star power is maybe a little better in the UK, but. You know, this is all about the fringe benefits, the the new Instagram followers, the Adam Petey in the deep V shirt crowd, the, the the people who like that. That's what this is all about. I would have loved to have seen Adam talk more about swimming during this run to maybe drag some of his new followers into the sport. Um, but f- financially for him, with a book coming out, books are very lucrative. I think this was absolutely a good deal. Yeah, something tells me Adam Petey wasn't in it for the money. And even if he was, that's a, a pretty decent chunk of change for the amount of time he put into this. Um, definitely swimming that it that it was worth it. Um, what was it? It was like two months total, right? Give or take. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think he could have pooped out a few races in ISL, made way more money, still been relevant. I'm sorry, he still could have sold a lot of <laughs> Dude, he like he's so good at breaststroke. He could just go and win races and okay. get money in ISL. And Tori, uh, talk to your boy. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think it would. I, I don't think this was financially the right move. I think he could have made way more money in ISL. Ugh. he's not that good in short course, and he's only got two races. Dude, he he still he swims the two hundred in ISL and gets third. You get money for that. Not a lot. I don't. Mm, yeah for with what four matches plus the playoffs but i don't think he was ever gonna do them all and he needed to do them all to get the mvp money the mvp money is where the money is in this it's it's being in the mvp conversations Mm -hmm. i don't think he was ever gonna do enough matches to be in the mvp conversations that that's fair i'm just saying if he if he would in the hypothetical that he doesn't go strictly come dancing does all of isl I don't know. Florent Manadou wasn't that good. He didn't show up and win a bunch of races. I I don't know that we can assume Adam Petey wasn't a, in spite of what the announcers would like us to believe, he wasn't an automatic when he was in shape. So I don't think he was automatic anything. Petey wins every race, period. Yeah, Petey lost Strictly Come Dancing, so he's on a one competition losing. losing Wins swimming, loses dancing. Pernilla Bloom still looks good. <laughs> She's still going to win Danish yeah. Strictly Come Dancing. All right. The, <laughs> this has been your week in swimming. Stay tuned next week for more Swim Swim Breakdown.